cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And wow, what a weekend at Turning Point USA. Man, they had a great event down in Palm Beach. And Tucker Carlson was sort of like the MC, and uh, just, just lamp-blasted Mike Pence. We have... Uh, some audio clips of that and uh, more. But uh, yeah, so Asa Hutchinson got booed off of stage. The straw poll had Trump winning by 86 point something percent. Let's see. We got a. We have the numbers. But it was a. And Vivek Ramaswamy uh, did great. So here are the latest numbers uh, posted by Charlie Kirk, who runs the thing over there. And the Trump dominated the straw poll by 85.7%. Vivek Ramaswamy wins 51.2% of the second choice votes ahead of DeSantis and Tim Scott. And, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, when you listen to all of these, all of these um, candidates, and they sounded like the candidates you would hear, you the, the Republican Party of the '90s. It's almost as if they listened to Ronna McDaniel and and the RNC and said, "We got to get back to core value principles of the conservative party," which we now know, without a doubt, is completely. Bogus. You know, we see the veils lifted off of these monsters and they sell out America for corporate global partnerships and global money. And I just confirmed today um, the top shareholder, according to CNN's shareholder reports, which I, you know, it's, it's a nice little list. The... Uh, 
company that uh, the the sharehold the top shareholder for Vanguard is Black BlackRock, and the top shareholder for BlackRock is Vanguard. And State Street, the top two shareholders are BlackRock and Vanguard, and they own everything, and they're investing in China. And you know what's interesting too is the uh, the post that. Um, Doug McGregor, uh, former Colonel Doug, Doug McGregor, um, posted this. He said the top the three branches of government were the Raytheon, BlackRock, and uh, the pharmaceutical industry. That's what he said. And I thought, who runs Philadelphia, for example? Eds and meds. The education, universities, and the medical profession. And then you probably have lawyers. You know, those are the three main businesses in Philly. And you're either in the club or you're out of the club in Philly. Philly is one big clubhouse. And it's about to be run by a socialist. A black woman that's uh, that's radically left, not qualified. And she beat out a radical Asian socialist. And I was talking to a friend of mine because I was in Philadelphia over the weekend. And I said, it's kind of interesting. You know, the, uh, the the socialist Asian woman that runs Boston to the ground. Then you got this black socialist mayor in San Francisco that ran it into the ground. Then you had Lori Lightfoot running Chicago into the ground. And then you had Baltimore with Freddie Gray and Space to Destroy. Stephanie Rollins-Blake, you, she ran that into the ground. And then you have D.C., where she painted Black Lives Matter right in front of the White House and ran that city into the ground. People are getting robbed. Their cars are getting stolen all over the place. And so Tucker Carlson made a good point when he said, you know, to Mike Pence, you're more worried about sending tanks to Ukraine than fixing our inner cities. What's that about? And you have to ask the question, what is that about? And it's just, it's, um, you know, we have our priorities all out of whack. And, uh, and we have to fix it. We have to absolutely fix it. So, you know, I was wondering where this clip was, uh, the audio clip that I want to play. And I realized it's not on Twitter, it's on YouTube. <laughs> and, um, the, you know, but you can't stop time, right? So it's time, the time of the show comes up and you have to come, go with what you have. But, uh, but I have, I have, I have some receipts here now and it's kind of, kind of interesting. Let's take a listen to the, this, uh, exchange. This is, um, the reason why I think this clip is good is this is a, a bit of a medley from Tucker Carlson's speech. I mean, he gave a nice long speech. Then he sat down for about 26 minutes uh, with each candidate. And they just, they, they just pandered to, you know, a young audience at Turning Point. And they, they basically just said the platitudes they basically said nothing, but they said a lot. And the exception was Vivek. 
Vivek Ramaswamy and, 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 of course, Donald Trump gave great speeches. But these other politicians, whether it's Pence or Tim Scott or Nikki Haley uh, or Asa Hutchinson, they're all just a bunch of sellouts. They're the typical Republicans that we've been used to dealing with pre-Trump. But then Trump came along and set the world afire because he thinks that climate is a hoax. And he thought that the lockdowns and the response to COVID should have been, should have, should not have been worse than COVID itself. And I don't think he quite fully realized what a, what a corrupt thug of a man Anthony Fauci was. And we all know now what a, what a, what a slime bag and Anthony Fauci is. I don't think any of us ever dreamed that the CDC and the WHO and Anthony Fauci were making bioweapons and, and sicking them on the world's population to depopulate the world and push a global agenda and try to turn it into an opportunity to get social credit score systems and biometrics on your face and track your every movement. I don't think anybody really saw all that coming. It's not the world I grew up in. There was no precedence for it because we didn't have the technology prior to this error of tyranny. And that, I mean, the social media tech giants. And there's not been such monopolies as these social media tech giants. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, nobody's buying his product anymore. Nobody wants his business or wants to do business with him. Even if it's a free account at Threads or Facebook or the Meta Universe, it's all bad. It's all garbage. And anybody that buys into that is a fool. And, you know, I mean, I trust Elon Musk as far as I could throw him. But at least he's doing some demonstrable things that are making a little bit of a difference. I can post stuff on Twitter now that I can't post on Facebook or any of the other places whether other than Truth Social. But let's go ahead and take a listen to this uh, Tucker Carlson exchange. It's a medley. And the one with Pence is just a doozy. Let's take a listen. In just a moment. I know you're running for president. You are are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Anybody that says that we can't be the leader of the free world and solve our problems at home has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. 
It's not his problem. The cities in America that are crumbling and the heroin addiction and the fentanyl coming through the southern border isn't his problem. What a monster of a man that is. Let's take a listen one more time to that and then we're going to let it play out. Our economy has degraded, the suicide rate has jumped, public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased, and yet your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Anybody that says that we can't be the leader of the free world and solve our problems at home has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. We can do both. And as President of the United States, we will secure our border, we will support our military, we will revive our economy and stand by our values, and we will also lead the world for freedom under my administration. I promise you. Amen. Vice President Mike Pence, thank you very much. We have to identify where they are, and I'm not going to pretend that that will be an easy task, but that should be the responsibility. Well, but wait a second. The federal government's like knows where everyone is because everyone has a has a smartphone and they're yes, tracking you. Yes, yes, you know. So like we know anyone using a fake social security number, want to just like drop them off in Tijuana. Bye bye. Well, I'm going to appoint Tucker Carlson as my bye bye ambassador no, but, to figure this out. So we're going to work together on this. And I, no, I'm a sincere question. But how is it? Whenever, treat, but how is it treatment? I guess that's my Hutchinson. question. If you have a child who says was born a boy, I want to become a girl. He hasn't gone through puberty yet. He's, say, 10. Is it treatment to prevent him from going through the natural process of adolescence? How is that treatment? It, it seems not like treatment. It seems like something else. Well, you have to... Tucker, I hope that we'll be able to talk about some issues. I know that... Well, this is can... one of the biggest issues in the country, and I think I would every person in this room would agree that... It is a, a central issue because it, these are children who are being altered permanently, and you can defend that alteration, that change, if you like, but there's really no debate about whether or not it's permanent. And so I think it's fair to ask you in a calm, rational, and I very much hope polite way why you would support that. When I asked about the 81 million votes, you immediately Nikki Haley. said things I think I, I agree with about election integrity. Yeah. So are you suggesting that that last election, it sounds like you're saying you don't think it was on the level. Are you talking about the presidential? That's correct, the presidential. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we all know that there were irregularities in there and that there were some issues that happened. We know that there was mail-out balloting that shouldn't have happened. I, do I think that changed the results of the election? No, I mean, I think President <coughs> Biden ended up winning the election. You want to know wow. what caused January 6th? There's such a temptation to say that there's one man whose name is unspeakable. We well, can't. No, first of all, it's QAnon. It's QAnon. It's QAnon. It's QAnon. <laughs> you want to know what caused January 6th? Is pervasive censorship in this country in the lead up to January 6th. You tell people in this country they cannot speak, that is when they scream. You tell people they cannot scream. That is when they tear things down. So that's the lead up of one full year of telling people you have to shut up, sit down, and do as you're told. And then you tell them, okay, there's an election where you didn't get the information that you needed, such as the Hunter Biden laptop story being real and suppressed. That's what caused January 6th. So the tragic loss of life ransacking the Capitol that occurred. But I really do believe that a day of tragedy became a triumph of freedom. And I'll always believe that by God's grace, 
I did my duty that day under the Constitution of the United States of America and our institutions held. And I think it's absolutely essential that we do everything in our power to restore public confidence in the, in the one person, one vote principle at the heart yeah. of this republic. Why not just get rid of electronic voting machines and call it a day and then we don't have to debate it? Um, one of the powers that government did usurp uh, over the past several years is, is the right to decide what medicine you take in the form of, of COVID mandates. Um, how did you feel about that? And how many COVID shots did you take? And how do you feel about it now, in retrospect? How many COVID shots did you take? Zero. When you have FBI colluding with big tech to censor dissent, I would fire those people. Had I been president 2020, Anthony Fauci would have been fired. And you've got to be willing to do it. Now, the Santas didn't show up at that event. That's uh, kind of an interesting little tidbit there. Um, so here, here's that exchange with Asa Hutchinson again. And then there's a... Uh... How many COVID shots did you take? And how do you feel about it now? In retrospect. How many COVID shots did you take? Zero. <laughs> you know, it goes like that, right? Um, also showing up were a lot of uh, other political powerhouses. And Ted Cruz was one. And then, of course, Don Jr. was there. We're going to go ahead and share a few clips of this. And let's just take a listen to what Ted Cruz had to say, uh, because this was some really good stuff. All right, so let's see. We're going to go ahead and grab this clip here. Or Hunter Biden or anyone. And so the chances that Merrick Garland will prosecute Joe Biden or Hunter Biden or anyone else, and to be clear, the deal with Hunter Biden is not a prosecution. It is a sweetheart deal meant to insulate Hunter and protect Joe Biden, the big guy. The chances that Merrick Garland will prosecute them are zero, which means here's what we need to do. In Congress, the House can impeach, and I believe the House should impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, should impeach Merrick Garland, and should impeach Joe Biden. That we can do constitutionally. Now, to be clear, when all three of them are impeached, the chances that the Senate will convict are zero. Because Senate Democrats don't care. They could have videotape of Joe Biden taking bribes from foreign officials. They, wouldn't, they don't care. They wouldn't vote to convict. I, I joke that you could have videotape of Joe, of Joe Biden strangling children under a full moon while listening to Pat Benatar. And no Democrat would vote to convict. And you know what the media lost their minds about? Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar. Yeah. They're like, what has he got against Pat Benatar? Yeah. I'm like, guys, you're missing the point here. Yeah. Stay focused. So what I will say, and state attorneys general, you're right that local prosecutors, if there have been local crimes, can bring cases. But let me say, what we can do is every person here can educate and inform and help people know about the, the corruption and illegality, and we can hold people up to account politically 
And then we've got to throw the bums out of the executive branch and get Amen. a new administration that will enforce the law. And that's what we're trying to do here on the Scott Adams show. So let's take a listen to this clip. This testimony is not from right wing Republicans. It's not from people that have an axe to grind against Joe Biden. These are career IRS employees. One of them, Gary Shapley, has testified as a senior supervisory and agent. Another one who we only know as Mr. X. Um, but we also know he is a gay Democrat married to a man. And he's a career IRS employee. Now, on the face of that, that self-identified information does not suggest some right-wing activist who hates Joe Biden. What it suggests is someone who looked at this and said, this is fundamentally corrupt, because but what those whistleblowers have testified to is that Merrick Garland, the attorney general, lied, and he lied under oath to Congress in response to questioning that I asked him. This testimony... You know, that's an interesting little tidbit that uh, about... Uh, the whistleblower, IRS whistleblower, is, you know, he's probably a liberal. And you never get that. Uh, like like everybody that uh, went against Trump was was a radically liberal activist, like Sierra, Eric Ciaramella, like uh, um, Andrew Vindman, you know, and all the, and, and uh, George Kent and, all those people that were hobnobbing in Ukraine, corrupting Ukraine. And, you know, and here we are. You know, there's a, an expose that uh, talks about the origins of the uh, Ukrainian war starting in 2014. And all this talk about Ukraine and NATO and Ukraine, exp- Ukraine going into NATO, NATO expansion. It's pie-in-the-sky naivety to think that Russia is not going to have a response to that. China as well. And China, it's interesting because they're playing both sides. They're big enough to do that. And they can play, uh, they could have a a pact that that secures Russia, uh, but then they can also uh, supply the world with, you know, with uh, goods and services, mainly goods, manufacturing. And the corporations who control the politicians are going to benefit from the slave labor, uh, the profits they get from the slave labor. So it's all good. So that's the kind of tug of war that's going on on the global stage, is that you have money influencing policy and the money is 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 obtained by some of the cruelest most inhumane things on the planet slave labor sex trafficking drug trade the cartels are getting rich the arms dealers are getting rich the human traffickers are getting rich and they're in turn reinvesting in their business by paying off politicians. You know, when a business has a really good year and they they um, get a lot of profit, a good business reinvests that profit into their business. A bad business that doesn't really have a long shelf life, you know, parties it up and buys a big old car and a house and a bunch of luxury items 
travels around the world, blows it, doesn't have a rainy day fund, and all of a sudden, when they have a bad year, they go bankrupt. And then again, someone else pays for that too. So, you know, you see the point. The point is, is that these people that are running these shady black market businesses are just as Ivy League as the Ivy Leaguers. They know business. They wouldn't be so powerful if they didn't. And some of them are Harvard degreed. Harvard doesn't care. Harvard's Harvard. They're, they're as, as corrupt as can be. All right, so we have another clip uh, for Ted Cruz. That's, he was on fire, so these are pretty good clips. Let's take a listen to this. The important thing to keep in mind, this is not about whether Hunter Biden is running around on crack with guns and prostitutes. He is. <laughs> but if it were just that, it would not be an issue of national concern. The issue is, did Hunter sell access to daddy, then the vice president of the United States, now the president of the United States, and was daddy corrupt? And the answer, the evidence at this point is overwhelming. Look, you look at the WhatsApp text that Hunter Biden sent, and I want to revisit it because this is as close to a smoking gun about corruption from the president as you're ever going to see. Here's what Hunter Biden texted to a senior Chinese communist official, quote, I am sitting here with my father. By the way, count how many times you hear references to Joe Biden, not Hunter, Joe. I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, that's three, and every person he knows, that's four, and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction, I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Five. Now, I got to say, last week, Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, was asked at a congressional hearing, was that a shakedown? And he refused to answer the question. Look, that is as transparently a shakedown as you will ever see. <laughs> it is. The it's crazy. But we're living in some sort of alternative universe. You know, the biggest problem, though, is the global monopoly that we just we talk about every day here on the Scott Adams show. And, you know, I have to tell you, I read I read this uh, meme over the weekend. And it said the famous cartoon portraying Rockefeller controlling the government originally published in The Verdict in January 22, 1900. Remember, we listened to Aaron Russo talk about his exchange with Nicholas Rockefeller, and Nicholas Rockefeller said, you know the Rockefellers pushed the women's movement, right? And he said, no. He said the women's movement was all about empowering women, right? And he said, no, no. The women's movement was about doubling the tax base and 
indoctrinating your children because once women went to work, once they started going to work, the kindergarten was going to be a thing. And kinder is a German word for children, and it comes from uh, the Nazis. <laughs> so, you know, it made, and he, he said that very clearly, that Nicholas Rockefeller said, that's what that was all about. And people like Gloria Steinem knew it. They knew that they were passing a radical agenda. This was a way to exploit women. To Gloria Steinem was exploiting women by drumming them up and saying, yeah, you're just as equal as the men. You could get a job and you could do just as well as the men. And she, she, she said that, and that, that it is true, but she was basically saying it to rile women up and divide America, divide men and women, so that women would hate men and men would hate women and, you know, and divide that. And I bet you if you were to look at the homosexual rate uh, change, it changed then. It, it, it changed, that's when it changed. And all the traditional values of America were being kind of like uh, crushed. You know, there was a lot, things weren't perfect before the women's movement. They weren't. We had race issues. We had dis- discriminations of our own. We had, uh, women were, were, were probably getting the short end of the stick every which way. They were dependent. Um, they weren't allowed to vote at one point, of course. That's all ridiculous. And that is part of American history. I always say, thank goodness we have a constitution that allows for amendments and has a high bar when it comes to amendments. But, you know, it's our constitution and the way it was written that helps us advance forward with a set of guidelines that that works for all people equally. Not equity. It's not about equity. It's about equality. But in any case, can you imagine Gloria Steinem, some radically Marxist liberal, that's pushing this women's agenda, sort of like Black Lives Matter, blaming the the police, you know, um, defund the police. The police are racist. The police are attacking black people discriminately. You know, they're, 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 they're basically just racist. Right, is what they would say. Now, that was the Black Lives Matter group saying that. And was it true? No. You know, when you look at these statistics, how many times the uh, white police officer shoot... Wow, that's loud. Uh, how many times did a white police officer shoot a unarmed black person? It was like nine times in a year in the whole country. And so, you know, this whole thing that LeBron James and else, uh, others were trying to drum up and stoke the flames of div- racial division, and that's why I say shame on King James, is just that. It's this disinformation that they're allowed to get away with. Do you think that Facebook or Twitter censored them for disinformation? Do you think that they did a fact check on that and did stats? No, they didn't. That's why we know there's two standards out there. 
But this is since this was posted January the verdict. Uh, this was published on the verdict, a publication from January on January twenty second, nineteen hundred, where you had the Rockefellers in control of the government, and now you have black. Well, and then it was because of the Rockefellers and Standard Oil and them putting other companies out of business that would dare compete with them, the Sherman Act and antitrust laws went into place. And now we have a monopoly bigger than those proportions with BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, but they fall out of the purview of the United States jurisdiction. And now they are getting away with it. We need Congress to weigh in and limit how money is influencing campaigns and elections. We need a whole reset on our elections because so many things have changed. This outside corporate, you know, dark money, ghost, ghost money, um, however you want to call it, NGOs, money laundering, the whole thing, bots, uh, crowdsourcing, all these things that have happened since we've evolved with the internet, you know, have, uh, the internet could have been good, but it's proven to be evil. So we, it's like a Frankenstein episode, right? Where you create this monster and it turns on you because the people in charge of it are radical communists and they're turning it on the people that use it the most. And that's why I recommend just stop using it. Don't use it. Let's go back. We have the option. We have the capacity to hit the reset button for our own life. And and it's not about cutting the cord. I saw this great photo of a black, old-fashioned black phone with a rotary dial and a, and a, a cord, a wire, plugged into the wall. And it said, when the phone was wired, we were free. And that was true. As soon as we cut the cord and we became, we had a phone strapped to our hip, it changed everything. So here's a quick clip from Don Jr. over at Turning Point in Palm, Palm Beach. Ah, so good to be here with you, Kimberly. Thank you very much. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. I say this is a slightly better welcome than what uh, Asa, also known as Ada, got a few minutes ago. You got booed. No, 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 listen. Listen. I, I was impressed. He's made an incredible recovery since being murdered by Tucker Carlson on Friday. So it, it, it's good to see him here and uh, recovering nicely. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'll say this. At least he had the balls to actually be here. Unlike our absentee governor, who's been on a perpetual book tour. DeSantis. Oh, guys. And then he also went on to say, um, 
He also went on, Don Jr. also went on to say that if he did what Hunter did, his own dad would throw him in Gitmo. Let's take a listen to Asa Hutchinson getting booed. Mike, I am delighted (laughs) to be here today to express my support for young people being engaged in the political arena and fighting for the conservative cause. Young people, you are leading. I can't tell you. His handler asked me on multiple occasions to be on this show, and I said no. And that was even when he was governor. I did have him on before I got to know him. I had him on once, Asa Hutchinson. Um, he has a very aggressive handlers. They, they want to get him on the media uh, all the time. Um, here's uh, Megan Kelly. Uh, let's take a listen to this. Everyone needs to know this Dylan Mulvaney is making a mockery of women. So true. It's like blackface on steroids. Dylan Mulvaney makes a mockery of women. He's mocking us and getting paid for it. This person, I don't believe Dylan's transition. I think Dylan is an actor who finally found a way to make the cash he'd been trying to make and failing to when living as a gay man. So Dylan was first a gay man, and then he said he was non-binary, and then he said it was a little girl, then he said he was a woman, now he said he's a lesbian, now he says he wants to get impregnated by a man. I don't understand how that's going to work because he's a man. Um, And we're supposed to go along for this ride and be respectful. No. I'm not respectful of him. He's not respectful of me, my daughter, all of you ladies who are out there. So it's a no for any company that endorses him, partners with him, and for him. And Bud Light's feeling the pain right now. They're feeling it. But uh, it doesn't matter because BlockRock owns every, every other competing business. And so ultimately, the globalists are still going to win that race until we fix the monopoly. And that's uh, another another part of it, right? But uh, I think Megan got it wrong, but I don't blame her for getting confused. Um, Dylan Mulvaney became a lesbian because I think he turned out he he, he kind of likes women. And his father asked him, uh, it would be great if you'd have, or made a statement to him, it'd be great if you'd have a child. That would just make my day. And he said, I think we are going to have a child, but it's not going to be my wife. It's going to be me, is what he said, as a woman, right? (laughs) But uh, it's crazy. I was surprised to hear this from J.D. Vance, okay? Because J.D. Vance was an Evan McMullen guy uh, fan back in 2016, and I never forgave J.D. Vance for that. But you got to give credit where credit is due. He's a senator, and he explains why young voters must reelect Donald Trump. Let's take a listen. I, I'm guessing that a lot of you out there are fans of President Donald J. Trump, right? He, he spoke spoke yesterday. He spoke yesterday. I know it went very well. Of course, he's a friend of mine, and of course, I've endorsed him for president in 2024. And I want to leave you. I want to leave you with this thought. 
that there are a lot of things that I could say about President Trump's presidency. There, I, could, I could talk about tax reform. I could talk about the fact that we just for the first time during his four years started to push back against communist China. I could talk about the fact that he's the only presidential candidate speaking about the economic issues that matter, not just to this, the people in this room, but those all-important swing voters that we've got to win over. Those things are all true. But the strongest argument I can make for Donald Trump is where I started this speech, that when everybody else is telling lies about Ukraine, there is one man on the national stage telling the truth, and that's Donald J. Trump. You know, th th there, was, there was a really important moment during the presidential campaign, something that I, 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 I would encourage you all, go, go, go home, go to Rumble or YouTube or whatever you watch your videos on, and, and, and go and, and find this clip. It was Donald Trump at the CNN town hall. You remember this a couple months ago? And the, 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 whatever mainstream reporter they had asked them the question and said, well, whose side are you really on? Are you on the Russia side or are you on the Ukrainian side? And of course, that's a stupid answer. I'm on America's side. That should be our answer, right? We should always say we're on America's side. We can like the Ukrainians. We cannot like the Russian aggression. We're on America's side. That's the only answer we should expect from our future president. Now, every, now every, every politician that I know, at least on a national stage, maybe even myself would have taken the bait, right? They would have taken the reporter's bait, but Trump didn't. What he said was, I want the killing to stop, right? I want the killing to stop. That, that ladies and gentlemen, that is the statesmanship that we need in this moment, that America comes first. And what is in the best interest of this country and what is in the best interest of all of us as human beings for the killing to stop? We send that country, Ukraine, $200 billion. The idea that we don't have the leverage to stop this conflict with the snap of our fingers is a joke. And anybody who tells you we can't stop this war is lying to you. $200 billion buys you a lot. And what it buys us is leverage, and we ought to use it. But I, I want to encourage all of you. Uh, especially those young people who have not yet committed to a presidential candidate, I would encourage you to get out there and support President Trump. And the, re and, the and look, the, 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 the reason is simple. There, there is a species of establishment Republican that if you told me this two years ago, I might not have even have believed you that this person exists, but they do. Now, you all know them. They're, they're the establishment hack in Washington, D.C. They put the Ukrainian flag in their Twitter bio or their Facebook profile. They care far more about the people who live 6,000 miles away than they do about the citizens of their own country. We all know these people. Of course, I'd, I've, I've, I've been exposed to them a lot in the last six months because I've been in Washington, D.C. all about six months. But you, you know what I find so interesting about those people is how they never have that compassion for the citizens of their own country. For the, for the mom who's mourning a son who died of a fentanyl overdose, for, for the young man who's, who's, whose dad has lost years off their life, for the troop who fought and bled and maybe died in a foreign land because America's leaders made a mistake. They never have that same compassion for the citizens of their own country. 
Well, what I'd ask you to do is to have that compassion, to have that love. When I say America is not just a nation of ideas, what I mean is this whole American project doesn't work unless you feel it deep in your bones, that love of your fellow citizens, of your countrymen. When you read about our great historical moments, you need to feel not just that they did heroic things, but that they were your people building something heroic that you and your children and your grandchildren deserve to inherit. And I love you, ma'am. Thank you. And I, and I will say, there is no issue that these people with the Ukrainian flags in their bio are more obsessed with. They call it entitlement reform. But of course, what they're saying is that they want to cut Social Security for the people who paid into it for a generation so that we can send more money to Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine. Do we want to do that? Absolutely not. And the one person who's standing against it on the national stage right now is Donald Trump. So here's my message to all of you, and here is our message to everybody who's listening, whether you're in this room or on television. If you want to immiserate our grandmothers and grandfathers to send another yacht to Volodymyr Zelensky and his administration, hell no, make America great again. Let's go and show them over the next two years. God bless. That was great speech. Vivek Ramaswamy also gave a heck of a speech. And uh, let's take a listen to this clip right here, though. This is kind of interesting about Ron DeSantis. All right. And this was Charlie Kirk on One American News. Charlie, I know, I know it is a, del- a delicate subject. I-, I wanted to ask, you guys had a, a great relationship with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Oh, I, th- I, I think he's a great governor. It's not delicate. I'm happy to talk about it. I mean, I think he's a great governor of Florida. I think it's an unbelievable mistake for him not to be here. I don't take it personally. It's politics. You just kind of get over things, and every day's a new day. Uh, I don't know what he's doing running for the presidency. Vivek Ramaswamy is running the campaign Ron DeSantis should be running. If he was, Ron DeSantis would be within five to ten points of Donald Trump. Vivek is probably going to finish second place at this point. Ron DeSantis will finish a third, fourth, or fifth distant. Uh, he's running an awful campaign. It's honestly so out of touch with the grassroots. It's really a tragedy for the conservative movement because he is a great governor. I mean, I'm on Team Trump, so whatever, who am I to give advice? But like Ron DeSantis could have come here, said, you know what? I'm just going to take questions from the audience and I'm going to tell you about what I've done. And he has done some things that are noteworthy, banning critical race theory. The crime stuff's been good. Instead, he's running a Chamber of Commerce campaign where he thinks dollars mean votes. Like, no, that's not how it works. Actually, you need people. And he turned his back on 6,000 of the most important people in the Republican primary. I'm not sure if he's trying to be president or what he's trying to do, but it's a big mistake. It is one of the biggest blunders. I was talking about this over the weekend, and uh, my goodness, DeSantis had it all, and he was the heir apparent to Trump's second term. And in 2028, no no one would ever have questioned who the candidate was going to be. It was going to be Ron DeSantis. And not only that, but his actions and his moves and his political strategy and the way he handles Florida is superb. Make make Florida great again, right? I mean, I was down in Florida and I see the t-shirts all over the place. But when he goes against the MAGA guy, you know, and says, I'm Trump 2.0 and Trump 1.0 is in the, in the room, it's stupid. But we all know what's going on here. It's Paul Ryan who thought. But Paul Ryan's one of the dumbest, dumbest human beings on the planet. 
and he gets to make millions sitting on the board of Fox News. And you know the top shareholders of Fox News? I have it. I posted it today. BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. Boom. And one other company. Those are the, the, the top four. But BlackRock is top. You know who owns more of Tesla than, than Elon Musk? BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. No wonder Elon Musk pulled out of the business panel in 2017 under Trump that Trump put together when Trump decided to leave the Paris Agreement. Because the Paris Agreement was one of the keys to the globalist success. And Trump turned his back on it. And as soon as he did that, Elon Musk walked and then continued to wear this suit jacket to one of the uh, Met Galas in New York with full of liberals and had a New World Order jacket written in Latin. So um, just crazy stuff, right? All right. So Tucker Carlson writes this. Sounds like this could be a longer conversation. We just asked Governor Christie to sit down and explain his views on Ukraine. He refused. You hate to think that Chris Christie is a blustering coward who plays the tough guy with sycophants at ABC but won't re- answer real questions. But who knows? We hope he reconsiders. Well, you know, Chris Christie said he could beat Trump in the octagon, right? Like like, like Joe Biden. I'll take him back behind the barn and beat him up. It's so stupid. Because Trump's in a no-win situation there because everybody knows Trump's the chairman of the board, the boss, the alpha male in the room. You know, it is what it is, right? And whether you could beat the guy up or not, it doesn't even matter. But what they're fishing for is this. They want Trump to make a fat joke. They want Trump to say if he doesn't have a heart attack climbing into the ring or something like that, right? What does that do for Trump? That help, That helps Christie. That that hurts Trump because Trump will lose some of the fat vote, you know, offending fat people. And it'll just make Trump more insensitive and whatever. So Trump should just ignore a Chris Christie who's trying to pick a fight, but you can't fight with air. Shadow boxing is not fighting. So governor Christie's irrelevant. He should just be shadow. He should, he could swing his fists all he wants. But he's going to have to swing. He's not going to have a dance partner, right? I mean, that that would be Trump's best strategy is to not give Chris Christie any kind of attention whatsoever because Chris Christie can't shine Donald Trump's shoes, and he knows it. So 77.3% of the respondents at Turning Point say they do not plan to donate to the RNC, 89.7% support the GOP embracing early voting and vote chasing. Support the GOP embracing early voting and vote. Well, I I disagree with that number. I'm not not a fan of early voting or any of the sort. 95.8% oppose U.S. involvement in Ukraine, of course. Ukraine, it's just a money laundering scheme and it's making a lot of politicians rich. 
Kerry Lake wins VP vote with 30.8%, followed by Byron Donald with 24%. He's the black conservative down in Florida that's so great. And then Vivek. I think Vivek would be a great choice, although Vivek also has ties to globalism and is super wealthy, which super wealthy is not a bad thing. But I like Kerry Lake uh, out of all of them. I think that there are um, there's more of an upside. I don't think you're ever going to win over the black vote at this point because of the way that Black Lives Matter's $83.5 billion um, has just destroyed uh, or divided black America and helped destroy their progress overnight. And uh, women are the ones being attacked by the LGBTQ BLM trans flag. And uh, and I think Carrie Lake would be great uh, because women, uh, suburban moms, I think are, I think she could appeal to them. And it's that suburban vote, that suburban mom vote that seems to not understand the value of a Trump because they don't. I don't think these suburban moms are fully understanding. If they do fully understand global politics and geopolitics, they're going to be a Trump supporter. But the problem is, I don't think that they do. And so I think that Carrie Lake could help them there. Um, this Simon Atiba, he's a press reporter that's constantly getting ignored by Green John Superior. The numbers are in. How does he intend to win? President Joe Biden spending virtually no money for his reelection campaign. In the second quarter of this year, according to fresh data, his campaign had only four people on the payroll, spent less than $1,500 on travel, accommodations, and airfare. In all, Biden's campaign spent $1.1 million in the second quarter of this year. His former boss, Barack Obama, spent more than $11 million in the second quarter of 2011 when he was running for re-election, and he barely won re-election. So the question is, how does Biden intend to win? I think that Biden doesn't campaign because he, he's been told that the election is rigged and that he has the best election rigging uh, team in U.S. history. So I, I don't think he feels like he has to run, that it's already a foregone conclusion that he's going to win based on the endless amount of rigging. I think that's what's going on there. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, we have uh, so many more things we want to cover this week. It's going to be an exciting week of politics. So stay tuned for all that we're going to be sharing with you. And um, well, that brings me to the end of the show, of course. And uh, be sure to check out magapack.org. Magapack, make a donation if you can, because it helps this show advance America first policies that make America great again. We do a lot of research here, a lot of work, um, and we don't run any ads, if you notice, on our shows, um, on the Scott Adams show. So we're not picking that up on podcasts or anything else. We really depend on your donations and your kindness. So thank you for that. Uh, also, use Red State as oh, your promo code over my pillow. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.